instead of gaslighting your wives into leaving you alone long enough that you can record a podcast, we just gaslighted a dude into introducing us to other women. <laughs> He's like, stop it. <laughs> anyway, hi. Oof, I aspire to that level of energeticness. It's Friday. Okay, we're recording on a Friday. I've had a really, really rough week. So... Glad to see that door close. Yeah. Also, we got pasta today. Like, somebody left. And by somebody, I mean, like, another agency, not like a mysterious person. (laughs) Mysterious agent of pasta? Yeah. Well, I am your lieutenant of literature, Jessica. And with me, as always, is the wonderful, the fantastic master of mediocrity. I'm Aaron. Woo! Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And today, I guess I'm doing the intro because we have to do that sometimes. But uh, it's not really my episode; it's your episode, Aaron. So what are what are we doing today? We're talking about a creator, and she created some manga. Manga. Are we going to debate over if it's pronounced manga or manga? I mean, no, I just was providing okay. the counter, the counterbalance. Okay. And we're going to be right one way or the other. One of us is. See, this is, okay. this is planning. This is motherfucking strategy, Aaron. Got it. Okay, so today, <laughs> today we're going to piss off listeners by mispronouncing some word. <laughs> like, at but least... also we're going to make them happy by pronouncing that word right. <laughs> Ooh. So every time I say... My version of the word, you say the other version. Okay. So anyway, this creator is what's known as a mangaka. Mangaka. And a mangaka. Mangaka. <laughs> is the title of a manga. Manga. Artist slash writer. <laughs> manga. Okay, I can't do this. I'm good. Okay. Manga. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we did it three times. We tried. Whatever. I'm just going to go tried. back and forth. Okay. <laughs> We tried. Anyway, manga refers to a Japanese style of comics and are cartooning that originated in the late 19th century with a right-to-left reading style and black-and-white art. In the United States, manga is published in Tankoban, which are the paperback books that collect the individually published chapters. In Japan, manga is also published in Tankoban, but also published in individual chapters in manga magazines. These magazines sound hella cool since they are a collection of chapters from multiple manga options that are released in a monthly format, sometimes weekly. I wish that was how the rest of the comics world worked. Yeah. Like, if that's how Marvel did their shit, I would buy the fuck out of it. Hell yeah. Yeah, it would make it a lot easier. Well, you know, I say that, but, like, Batman was released, like, really back-to-back for a while, and that was annoying. Oh, but you mean in, like, a big magazine. Yeah, like, not, like, back-to-back like that, but I mean, like, a bunch of different titles all in a weekly magazine. That would be fucking badass do you know how amazing that would be they could put out an all lady book and like seven batman books and you would still have to buy the all lady book because it's in the same collective (laughs) as the seven batman so you're like support i love it i love it too actually they would probably cut all of it it. because whatever Mm. anyways I just wanted to explain what manga and mangaka are for a minute why well funny i asked myself this question we're talking rumiko 
Takahashi, who is a mangaka who has written a few titles that you may or may not recognize. But before I spoil that surprise, let me at least tell you a little bit about her. She was born in Niigata, Japan, which has a rather robust Wikipedia article, but I am not an expert on Japanese culture and geography, so I couldn't tell you which attraction in Niigata that makes it stand out from the others. I think I saw something about a comic convention, so I was like, that's cool, but do other areas have that? I don't know. Reportedly, Rumiko grew up in an average home with an average childhood and no pronounced interest in manga. But then she started making friends with people who were in or would go into the profession. She enrolled in a manga school and was involved with a school established by a rather prestigious and intense mangaka who also supposedly had a personal hand in her training. So girl just kind of started doing it, I guess. Good for her. This training <laughs> reinforced the idea that stories should have fascinating characters. And she gives us a variety of personalities and characters in her stories. She also, probably coming more from her than any training she got, kept her women as strong, bold, tough, and intelligent, not demure or timid like tradition expected at the time. She can also write a pretty great romance story, building more on the conflict and gradual development of characters rather than overt displays of romance to show character development. So like that love triangle stuff, she got it. But if you want something with character growth, you should definitely pick up Rumiko Takahashi's works. She started publishing in 1976 through a manga club, and this was when she really had to make the choice to shit or get off the pot in regards to becoming a mangaka. Thank the world for the weekly issue magazine Shonen Sunday for giving Takahashi her break into the publishing world because her first series, Those Selfish Aliens, earned her the new artist award and gave us the rest of her career. In the 80s, she experienced one of the most prestigious milestones of, of a mangaka, and that's getting her work adapted into animation. And then she hit that great point in the career where her stuff was translated and published in English. Let's just what say she's the reason anime and manga are really accessible to English audiences. Go girl. Yeah. So now I guess it's a great time for me to start listing some of her work. I want to say in no particular- Can we do something? I want to do a call and response. Okay. So like first thing that comes to mind? Yes. Kagome! Sit, boy. <laughs> you missed it, girl. I know. <laughs> I wanted to shout Kikio! <laughs> Even though I Kikio! Kikio! Kakobe! Inuyasha! Shippo! Inuyasha! <laughs> oh man. Okay, sorry. But Master Inuyasha, <laughs> the scent of your blood has changed. Listen, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, that is my favorite meme that still exists with people who know the people who know know you know you know if you know you know you know yeah totally so bro 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 do you even rumiko <laughs> takahashi <laughs> okay i mean we gave away one work already i guess two because i technically named one in the rumiko takahashi history history hit me with that bibliography some other titles with her name attached are Yurusei Yatsura, Maison Ikoku, Maris the Chojo, Fire Tripper, The Laughing Target, The Mermaid Saga, One Pound Gospel, 
Ranma one half or one over two, one of two. And then Inuyasha Sengoku Otogi Zoshi. Or just Inuyasha. <laughs> what a nerdy name for such a delightful like piece of my childhood. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's interesting that you say delightful part of your childhood or whatever. Because uh, Inuyasha stands out for being different than her other works. Because her previous works are more comedic and lighthearted. And Inuyasha is a darker story that discusses more mature topics and has a truly evil villain Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like inuyasha if you watch the show as a child or as an adult like that is a darker story (laughs) and we'll get into my thoughts on that when we get around to that part of this episode but rumiko takahashi you might recognize the name of this hall of fame she was inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame in 2018 after being nominated for entry Whoa. in 2014, 16, and 17. So she is one of the few ladies in the Eisner Hall of Fame. Uh, she's won a crap ton of awards and accolades. It's just a lot easier to list the Eisner Award because we've already kind of dragged that one through the mud in previous episodes. Pretty much, <laughs> it's Rumiko true. Takahashi is the reason we really have manga and anime. Sure, Dragon Ball Z was also sh- really popular. Sure, there are all these other really popular titles. But she was one of the forerunners. She helped open that yeah. door. Maybe not hugely commercially successfully, but she opened that door. A lady's foot is the reason we have weeaboos. Yes. That's a dubious honor, isn't it? <laughs> it's a dubious prize to have won i say as a full weebu it's fine i can make fun of them if i'm one of them i'm one Get of them i can dick. say the word. i love it i love it i love it i'm just saying what we're all thinking <laughs> I, you know i'm not gonna judge if somebody identifies as weebu the only thing i will judge is the level of hygiene associated with that and the level mm. of respect towards others because those are part of one's character and not one's nerdy niche so like it's like the uh meme that's like oh i was made fun of in high i was made fun of in high school for watching anime and for being a weeboo and then then it's like it's like no you were made fun of in high school for running around with your arms behind your back and not taking showers (laughs) like you don't like don't blame watching anime (laughs) because there's plenty of us who were doing it and not like doing that yeah weird how that works (laughs) yeah Everybody knew what Dragon Ball Z was. If they knew it enough to make fun of you, they were probably watching it. If they knew that you were Naruto running, they know what Naruto is. So there are other reasons. You're just sorry. (laughs) There are other reasons. I love... It doesn't mean you deserved it, though. <laughs> no, Well, no. Uh, I'm not endorsing school bullying, except for the people I all. made fun of. They totally deserved it. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, my um, God. No. Oh my god, why would you say that at Scorpio season, okay? No, I'm kidding, it's not. Jesus Christ. I don't know. Until we get to Leo season, baby. (laughs) My child might be a Leo. I don't know know how to deal with that. Um, (laughs) Leos and Scorpios don't get along if you look at any of the charts. But um, my favorite partner story, to get back to anime and away from astrology, because that's too much right now i can't even uh, <laughs> uh i don't want to show how much of a nerd i am erin like i gotta keep some of it because <laughs> i leave some of them watching a mystery <laughs> a mystery yes i gotta leave something for you to wonder about dear listener Corey, my partner i was successful in getting him to watch one punch man 
because oh he did watch the show in TV shows when he was a kid too, like that were on Toonami and stuff. So he knew what Dragon Ball Z was. And so therefore was able to enjoy this hilarious riff on all of that, like that entire genre of, of anime by, yeah. like association with me. So I was really excited whenever I got him to watch an anime with me that was new and not me just like pulling his teeth out to watch this show. So yeah, no, um, they knew it was going on. Okay. Like they knew it they was knew. there. The cool kids, like my partner knew they just weren't like being weird about it. <laughs> yeah. Like I they just was, never bought I the t-shirt as a child. It. Well, listen, like, were you even a real weeboo unless you scarred yourself staying up and watching G2 late at night and being exposed to Surreal Experiments Lane? If you didn't get exposed at too one. young of age to Serial Experiments Lane, are you even doing it right? Oh, man. It's just one I example think- of how I broke myself existentially way too early. <laughs> like- I think my early anime experience was the, like Adult Swim when that was yep, still yep, anime. Yep, yep. Because mm-hmm. that was that was where Inuyasha was, uh, mm-hmm. but I yep. also, you know, and and Outlaw Star and Outlaw Star, which were totally not things you should have been watching at like nine or ten. But I did. Oh, same girl, same. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else was it. I remember this one that I can never re- get the title right. Like I think it's called Blue Seed, but it's not Blue Seed. But this dude was sick and cryogenically frozen until they could find a cure. But then when he woke up, these like massive bugs had taken over the planet and humans were nearly extinct. And it kind of was a mecha thing, but he also was like immune or had some magical, I was diseased in the past powers. (sighs) Anyway, I don't remember, but Mm. they had like the entire show was just them trying to get to the human haven. But that's not what we're talking about today. (laughs) I don't remember that one. I do remember Witch Hunter Robin, which I was obsessed with. That one was so good! Wasn't it? That one was so Um, good! And then I was always really sad whenever it flipped over to, like, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I was real sad every night. So I was like, no, I want more anime. And The Big O, which is a terrible mecha show, but I still love it. Oh, The Big O is great. I love it for, like, how (laughs) steampunky it is and ridiculous. Like, Yeah. And kind of noir a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was some good that cool shit. shit. Okay. Okay, back to Rumiko. Rumiko. Grandmommy of all of those things that we loved. She could be like our aunt, though, because, like, girl's still kicking. She could also be our grandmother yeah, who's still around auntie. kicking our asses. So, like, Auntie Magaka. We read some manga in preparation for this episode. Yeah, we did. And we also, <laughs> at least I did, and I wouldn't be surprised if you also did. I started a rewatch of Inuyasha to prepare. Oh. So Girl, it just doesn't hit the same anymore. <laughs> I'm kind oh of God. glad it doesn't hit the same anymore. And I will. <laughs> you know what? Let's just start with the Inuyasha anime. So for me and just for Jessica, for I'm going to I'm going to talk for you, Jessica, on this one. This was like our first bad boy, like love interest. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Shishomaru Shishomaru. was kind of. a Oh, God. What a dreamy, <laughs> aloof, <laughs> older teenager. who's yes. like. I have a deep mm. voice that's kind of apathetic, and yet I have a, an emotional range. Faintly and, British. Yeah, faintly villainous British accent. And you're like, ooh, that's sexy. I'm 10, and I don't quite get it, mm-hmm. but ooh, mm-hmm. that gets me. And then you have Inuyasha, like like who's lot. like, 
he's kind of a bad boy fun, but like he's got that big bad evil brother. Yeah, Kyle who punches holes in drywall. That's Inuyasha. That's true. At the beginning, <laughs> he does grow yes. up pretty quickly. There is growth. Yeah. There's Kagome who is like, I'm actually really great for being 15. She's like really strong willed. A little horny. <laughs> like, what? Also kind of bratty, but also fun. Also kind of bratty, but also fair. Like, she does have a pretty good heart mm-hmm. throughout all of it. Um, pretty strong sense of character and goodness. There's a very realistic 15-year-old, like you said. Frankly, I think what solidified Kagome in my rewatch of her... Like, she, okay, one, she's a really solid projection character. All right, because she has this range of personality Mm -hmm. and you're like, I could relate to this. This is fun. But what really solidified her in my appreciation for this rewatch is that she was creative and smart when they're being fought by a frog demon. She's like, oh, fire. Wait a minute. I have hairspray and a candle. I'm going to make a flamethrower. And like as an adult now looking back on it, I was like, I wouldn't have done that if I was 15. Like that's actually really, really brilliant. Kagome very smart listen you didn't play with fire enough i maybe played with fire but like i wouldn't have had hairspray (laughs) i didn't do hairspray like that's true that's true that's where the 80s influence really helped kagome out she was really smart um and really determined because she was able to lug around her backpack full of all of her books and her gear and her makeup and snacks like all the time like she was just carrying it like no big deal you're like damn girl what it's like that holes moment where you like carry something a little bit every day and then like by the end of it you're way stronger yeah yeah and then also her willingness like the and problem you see her solving get better too yeah the yeah she does she just gets better because like her, she like sucks at being an archer and then she becomes really great at being an archer mm-hmm. you know like she keeps trying I like it she's resilient yeah. I love it. Uh, yes. But then there's also Shippo, who I think Shippo, Shippo is my favorite, the little fox demon who, despite being a child, is wiser beyond his years um, and a fantastic artist. I really like him because he almost stands in for the chorus because he's just like, oh, this is happening because Kagobe and Inuyasha have repressed feelings for each other. And you're like, damn, dude. <laughs> like just as like a pranky little fucker oh he is a pranky uh, little fucker i love it but yeah moroku the biggest creep of them all he's a lech he is a lech the only reason i enjoy his character is because it allows for kagome and sango to react in really realistic and i find appropriate ways because he is the pervert yet mm-hmm. everyone around him reacts negatively to his behaviors like in the party reacts negatively to him and i love that kagome and sango are legitimately glaring at him, not out of jealousy, but because what he's doing is gross. <laughs> it's like, they're like, you asked an 11-year-old to bury yeah. your child? And he's like, I didn't mean it. And they're just like, that's disgusting, dude. Like, disgusting <laughs> to his face. That's true. I've never thought mm-hmm. of that before, but there are a lot of medias that they don't do that with. Like, there's a lot of media where they just are like, ha ha. It's a joke, yeah. But then they're very, and it's, a, it's kind of still a joke. Like, it takes the edge off. But it's so routinely done that you're like, yeah, that's not appropriate. Yes. Glaring at him. And eventually he stops because, well, he falls for Songo. And Songo's really cool because she's just a badass demon hunter who will get shit done and carries a massive boomerang on her back, which is a weird weapon choice, but 
Sangha was like like the cool sports girl, you know, like she was like the girl, like the big sister type you looked up to, you know, like mm-hmm. Power Ranger in the group. You're like, oh my god, you're like super competent and talented and have already spent all this time training and stuff. That's very exciting. Like where Kagome is like diligent and like will keep going, like she's established and honor bound in sort of that like kind of like that riff on the samurai thing, but like for a like all family type aspect of it instead of like mm-hmm. a you know men's group type thing. I don't know. I really like that family dynamic of the of the monster hunters, the demon oh hunters. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, and then the family dynamic of the group in Inuyasha, but you know, I just wanted to introduce mm-hmm. the characters. I also wanted to say that Sango and uh, Kagome click immediately. We talked a little bit about I can't. You know what? I'm done. Done with that name. Seshomaru. I don't know why. We got it. We got it so well there at the beginning and then we lost it. Hardcore. We talked a little bit about Seshomaru already, but then there's also Kikio. Kikio, who was Inuyasha's love, and they were turned against each other by Naraku, the irredeemable villain of the series. But Kikio is, though she starts off the series dead and reincarnated as Kagome, uh, she comes back and has, I think, one of the most inconsistent characters in the story. However, yeah, yeah, she's not Kikio from before who was alive. She is a hate-filled reanimation of Kikio who is clinging to the fact, to her anger and her hatred about being denied the life she wanted, which was a life, a normal life with Inuyasha. So that all takes a while to really kind of develop for her. She just kind of fluctuates between somebody who's vengeful and hate-filled to someone who still begrudgingly loves Inuyasha and is just jealous of Kagome and then they have this love triangle which I still think is handled actually really well because Kagome is like he still loves Kikio I guess I'll deal with it but like while Inuyasha and Kagome are still just naturally building this relationship because Inuyasha is like struggling with the fact that he really likes Kagome in a way that I don't think he liked Kikio (laughs) so it's just really fun to watch them interact that's one of the weird parts i think looking back on it now i didn't rewatch very much of it i have tried before and was not successful because of reasons i really thought that it was a weird juxtaposition the bratty kind of piece of shit that inuyasha was at the beginning of the season of the show you know like having been in love successfully with this sophisticated female archetype that kikyo embodies the serene ultra good priestess turned vengeful ultra hot clay lady you know like and and to have him have had a romantic relationship with that implies that he was a lot more emotionally developed than he actually was and they kind of explain a little bit of that like she kind of tamed him like a wild dog a little bit but it's still really like hard to buy that Kikyo was interested in what Inuyasha had to sell before him and Kagome, you know, like went through their journey and he developed as a person, you know, like, I don't know. That's the hardest part for me to buy is that Kikyo actually loved him. Like maybe she just (laughs) owned him and was like, 
Why are you playing with my toys, bitch? Yeah, and you know, that kind of adds a different lens as to why Kagome and him are a better matchup than Kikyo and Inuyasha. I think because Kikyo and Inuyasha bonded almost from the fact that there was something they couldn't have, which was Inuyasha being a full demon and Kikyo having this normal life where she could be with somebody. Because obviously their relationship was torn apart pretty damn quickly. It took Naraku pretending to be the other to undo whatever relationship they had fostered over a year or so. So they obviously both had their faults coming into it and were imperfect about how their relationship was with the other. Whereas Kagome, as we're watching Kagome and Inuyasha adventure together, Kagome still trusts him, even in dangerous situations. Like, Kikyo is possessive over him, but Kagome, on the other hand, is like, no, you're your own person, you've offended me, I'm gonna leave. (laughs) They're gonna have ridiculous yelling spats, because they are 15 or so, but she still will take an opportunity to treat him kindly and with trust in the moments that where it matters does that make sense yeah but i i agree yeah. with you i think for kikio though she was like i could have slept with you i could have had your kids and we could have lived a normal life and now i can't and you're being all happy and healthy with this other woman because i was murdered and betrayed by you but it wasn't you it was just a lot of drama around that and yeah. she's just holding on to the idea of life rather than anything of kind of healthy value. Well, and I think that too is like, a, like maybe it's a difference between the way that you write relationships. Like when you're real young, those we've been together a year, it feels like so much, but like really when you're older, looking back on it, the way that Inuyasha and Kagome became friends and then like grew their attachment over time and trust and mutual, like, earning of that trust yeah you know they both were there for each other in a sustained way that built what i would consider a much like more realistic relationship basis you know and gave you that better payoff that more authentic payoff than just like a romeo juliet situation yeah i like it it shows a real i don't know like to me i'm like it shows a woman's touch that she was like you want romance i'll give you some motherfucking romance like here you go strap in for Mm -hmm. 52 seasons motherfucker Like, that's how long it takes to write a real romance. (laughs) Kind of on that note, I did think it was funny that Kagome, like, is very open about her interest in Inuyasha pretty early on in the series. Like, she spends a lot of time thinking about him. She spends a lot of time, you know, managing herself and following him around. She gives him a really hard time in a lot of situations. Like, she never, you know, she gets her feelings hurt, but she handles them really kind of in a healthy way when it comes to understanding that his relationship with Kikio might mean more throughout the story than any kind of relationship that they have. That doesn't mean that she's going to abandon him at any point because she never is like, well, if you're going to be with Kikio, I'm out. She like politely excuses herself in those times where she's like, you're going to deal with Kikio. I've got to go. Kagome's open kind of want of him. I remember when they meet Sango, at least in the show, (laughs) Sango is talking about Moroku and it's like, well, I hope he doesn't perv on us. And Kagome almost angrily goes, yeah, Inuyasha's a cold fish. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) Sango's like, do you want him to look? And they never answer the question on screen, but it's one of those things where like Kagome is almost upset that Inuyasha is not showing that interest in her, which on paper sounds really inappropriate, but with a woman's perspective, it's like not as pervy 
because they don't have that art style where it's like all tits and an up crotch shot you know she's just like looking the same like the animation style is very still adventure mode there's all the characters i think the most kind of quote-unquote sex appeal part of them is their faces like no extra skin is displayed but like eye makeup or just expressions and head tilts and like hair designs there's nothing there's no like shirts that are straining over body parts or like weirdly shiny skin it's just still very like modest character design okay so did you read any of the manga i did a little bit it's a little bit more i think exposed yeah i was like i was surprised i was surprised by all of the titties rumiko i think is hornier (laughs) than we need to give her credit like We should give her credit for that. We should give her credit for being horny. Well, and also, I have to say, now that I've read the big Takoban, so like the combined three Takoban big style ones, which if you're around manga for long enough, you end up attaching yourself to an anime or a manga that goes on for so long and it sells so many copies that they start doing this thing where like each... Okay, I'm going to show my age here. When I was buying manga at Borders <laughs> as a little bitty weeboo, they came out every like two or three months and they were $10, like $9.99. And then if you're cool and you hop on later, they sell them three for one and it's like $19.99. So then it's like, oh yeah, you get this huge discount for buying them in bulk. But also it's way less annoying because there's like 35 issues. So you're buying, you know, 10 extra big ones as opposed to 35 individual ones you know so yeah i i bought the digital version of inuyasha so i read the first three and i was i was so hooked on how far into the series i got so quickly erin like it took me like two hours to read because as i discussed earlier i can read manga way faster than i can read comics and i got so far into the series and I was just like, yes, this is the way that I'm going to reconsume this this property because I cannot sit through 50 hours of them yelling Inuyasha and Kagome at each other with like real weird choices of like 90s era voice acting. And I can't do it. I cannot do it. But I can totally <laughs> binge me some fucking manga. And I will. I will absolutely do that. And also, if you're cool like me, you you kind of held on to a little bit of the purist, the bullshit purism that doesn't mean anything and is real dumb whenever you look at it. But like, you know, it's not canon unless it was in the manga first. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like the whole season of Bleach that should never have happened because like they just pulled it out of their ass. You oh know. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I read the manga and it was a wonderful experience because it was a little bit more adult than the way that they made the anime and I had that basis of watching 90% of the anime and it wasn't 100% either because this was back in the day when you had to like videotape that shit and TiVo didn't exist yet so I literally had a VHS recorder on a timer because my mom wouldn't let me stay up that late so then it was just like set to record at 11 oh my god I love it I think my family Listen, life was a struggle back that. in the day I don't know if I gave them a choice then <laughs> you just you just did it. <laughs> just did it but yeah i didn't even get to see all of it so i wanted to go back and watch it and i just couldn't i couldn't get through it i could not get through it because i'm looking at i'm looking down the barrel at literally weeks of my life trying to rewatch this anime and there's no fast forward button that is satisfying here 
for all of the filler that you end up getting in anime whenever you're binging it instead of watching it as it's released. So I was like, nope, I gotta just do this the other way. Like, I'm just gonna have to buy (laughs) myself manga so that I can binge this shit and get caught up and watch, like, the newer properties or the movies and stuff and understand what's happening. And yeah, I, I do appreciate the amount of more adultness that was there because it was, like, a teen boy book instead of like how it sort of was released on the anime which was like middle school type show that had teenage like themes and it was dark and there was a really bad villain but also like i don't know a lot of the best children's media do have the best villains avatar the last airbender had one of the best villains in fucking history with azula you know you have you have truly heinous crimes coming out of some of these kid shows you know, and, and you have real moral questioning that happens. And then, you know, like you get, you kind of turn your gaze over to some more adult shows and it's, it feels like it was made for children, you know, with no real thought or real like moral message. And just a lot of titties and guns. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a I real weird, it's Somewhere... weird. Life is weird right now, Aaron. Well, it's it's interesting you bring that up about like kids shows having more clear villains than shows for adults. I even think She-Ra and the villains in She-Ra were still really defined and some of them grew and changed, but becomes very clear at certain points that decisions villains make to continue to be evil is what the evil act is, right? So a thing that I learned having to grow up and go into social work was the idea that I can have a moral code. Like, I don't have to take the middle ground like we're told that people try to teach us as adults. Like, consider both perspectives, blah, blah, blah. I can and should have the belief that certain opinions, quote unquote, are evil or or morally wrong or something like that. And though people might say, of course, that's obvious. I'm, I'm talking about more nuanced things, right? Like when we choose to compromise on certain issues with friends, it, it was more of this unlearning of that and being very clear with myself and maybe those around me that these are my hard lines in the sand. That, yeah exploration in media though is reflected right like the whole oh is everybody as truly as bad or good as you think they are like bitch please all right no i'm tired of this emotional (laughs) fry like we're going to make everything shades of gray because those situ though there are situations that are shades of gray not everything is some things are going to be really evil in children's media when you're still trying to teach basic moral codes and norms and ethics they're going to be very clear-cut and then they're still going to start blurring as an adult in order to make it harder to see the lines for us to forgive people who do break those codes that we learned as kids. So I personally prefer, also prefer a villain who is clearly evil and unchangingly so rather than complicated evil, unless the evil that actions that they're taking are ones that are gray or done under duress or something, you know? But anyway. Yeah, I think that children's media, I think people get this idea that media made in this way. So like shoujo manga or shoin manga, you know, like is a little bit piffy or, you know, like lowbrow. People have this idea that it isn't compelling unless it's morally gray or like that vagueness is what, elevates it to high art or whatever but what like you're talking about teaching people to forgive others you know and allowing them to have growth and stuff is exactly what a lot of that children's media that i really love that's coming out now does 
you know, like the She-Ra's and the Adventure Times where they slowly unpack and they explore what it does mean to have, you know, like different shades of badness, like in Adventure Time, for example, the Lich versus the Ice King or and the Ice King was dad. like the penultimate versus his dad, who's like the real shit heel. Let's all be real here. Yeah. Like it's stuff like that. Those those different kinds of evil are well addressed in very impactful ways that show and they don't tell as opposed to a lot of these quote-unquote high culture type takes the grimdark batmans and it's really just it's not actually compelling in the same way you know because there's this idea that you have to have a certain level of x y and z in order to be adult and that's what i like about comics is that it kind of straddles both lines like you you have this thing that was like inherently made for children or has this like appeal to children or is like has its roots in being children's media and the stuff that I still love and the artists that I still love are the ones who kind of retain that messaging that like depth and breadth of storytelling and infuse that visual art aspect but whenever you're talking about like American comic books versus manga in terms of what I find compelling about the manga as opposed to the comic books it's just easier for me to digest because it does have a lack of color does have that kind of I don't know it's less visually confusing for me it's still beautiful you know and they have those middle frames where you see that the character designs are usually very good even though like like They're super they, have, they get made fun of a little bit for yeah. yeah, exactly. It's easier for me to have a, a more complicated story in a manga form than it is for me to have it in a, a comics form. Like, if a comics form could be more, it, it can be a compelling story, it could be a diverse story, but what has to, what it has to do to give me that is to be a compelling piece of visual art and then have enough words to get me through. You know, like, I, mm -hmm. I respond better to complicated art in comics that help t tell a story you know like so you're using the, the art in a different way than I think manga does like in, mm -hmm. in terms of mangaka like, I feel like they're primarily storytellers who are good artists you know like yeah yeah and that might not be super fair but that's kind of how I digest it because whenever I'm looking at manga what I'm looking at is storytelling and what I'm looking at in comics is this much more complicated art narrative. Mm -hmm. I feel like I might have bungled that a little bit, but that's, yeah, no, that's kind of... I, that actually really... I don't know. So for the listener, these are actually the same thoughts I have. You and I just haven't had this conversation before. This is actually the first time we've really talked oh. about manga and its presentation. And you're pretty much bringing out... You're saying what I also feel in that how manga is more engaged because the artistic style is just different and it has different goals and it has different messaging than American art styles. And not there's not one that I think is better than the other. It's just different. And also the price point is cheaper with manga. So there's that. But it's like comparing yeah. apples and oranges almost with how different the art and the narrative style is. I want to get back yeah. to the good versus evil conversation, but I want to do okay. it versus... Sashomaru versus Naraku because when we were talking about oh. redeemable versus irredeemable yeah like so Sashomaru is a bad guy and Naraku is a bad guy <laughs> but Sashomaru ends up being kind of a good guy Naraku never does so 
Sashomaru, his main beef is just with his brother. Because his brother, Inuyasha, is half human, half demon, and for some reason favored by their pureblood demon dad over Sashomaru. And Sashomaru, frankly, is just jealous. He does kill people. He is pretty callous towards other. But his main story is just bringing Inuyasha down. Like, he could obliterate <laughs> Kagome, Sango, Moroku, and he's just like, no, I'm taking Inuyasha down. Naraku, on the other hand, just wants Kikyo to hate and wants to take down Inuyasha because Kikyo loved Inuyasha and wants to be the most powerful and is poisoning and killing and just being really horrible to say frankly he's giving people power more powerful weapons and tools to hurt other people he's playing people against each other he creates different versions of himself who then he uses against each other <laughs> like it's just it's just not a good dude. yeah and i kind of i want to talk about that and i didn't know if you had any thoughts about how well, sashomaru's story goes versus naraku Oh man, Sashomaru's bae. I'm sorry. I have problematic views of love interests, as is well established on this pod. And Sashomaru's bae, you know, like, he is bad, but in a sexy way. You know what I mean? And to be frank, Naruto is is hot and some of his doppelgangers give you like a like a weird like false sense of him being something that you could ship but then like the core of the character is so bad like you know the doppelgangers aside the core of the character is so bad and you just keep coming back to this black void that is supposed to be a like you know a demon and and you're like wow okay and I never got far enough to see if there was, like, a motivation that was given to explain or if he really was just this sort of, like, Lady Galactica, like, big bad, you know, like, black hole of a bad guy, which is fine. I mean, like, I I don't mind that being a thing, but I, I feel like I feel like you're allowed to do that in fantasy and high action because they're not human, you know? And Sashomaru mm-hmm. is also a demon, so I think that's what makes Sashomaru unique, is you see humanity, quote-unquote, you know, like the sense of the ability to have emotional depth and morality in some subsets of demons and then not in others, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting, like, back to that moral gray area, you know, like, you, it's like you're not gonna know, basically, and it kind of depends on, right. it seems like it kind of hinges on whether or not they love something you know like if they love someone then they are redeemable but then like why does Sashomaru get that when he doesn't have that like romantic Uh character so like I but he see I'm does kind of well did I just this is a bit of a spoiler do you remember Rin sing me a few bars Okay, I'm going to I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit. So another fun little twist to this story is that both Inuyasha and Sashomaru have swords that were forged with their dad, who was a big wolf demon's fangs. And Inuyasha has a Tetsaiga, which can save 100 lives in one stroke. And Sashomaru has the Tensaiga, which can bring... It's a blade that cannot slice. So Sashomaru, who is this like hateful, I just want to kill things. Like one of his goals for bringing down Inuyasha is to steal the sword 
and use it, but he can't use it because he doesn't have any human blood. And he's just kind of pissed off that he has the Ten Saiga, which can't hurt anybody. It can only heal. So, uh, Shomaru gets really, really hurt after a battle, and he's just, like, chilling in this forest recovering, and this little human girl named Rin finds Oh, him. the child! Yes, the I do child. remember her. Yes. yes, you're right. He does Rin... have emotional depth, and, and uh-huh. yeah. Because Rin yeah. expects nothing mm-hmm. from him. Rin's not scared of him. Rin's right. probably the first human he hasn't resented, because I think he resented Inuyasha's mom, because mm-hmm. Inuyasha being a like favored or beloved child probably took from him again the jealousy thing so he meets rin who shows up she has no voice because she's been traumatized um she's covered in wounds and injuries because the people of the village since she's an orphan beat her because she breaks the rules and so he takes this kind of pity on her and eventually unfortunately her village gets overrun by wolves and she ends up dying. So Shomaru sees her, feels, I don't know, his first pang of compassion or sympathy, and then heals her with the Tensaiga. So he brings mm-hmm. her back. And then she, she follows beats up along. on his little goblin sidekick. Yes. But great. there's also a scene in the anime where the goblin sidekick is cut in half. And up until this point in the show, they're constantly going back and forth where the goblin's like, oh my god, he's gonna kill me! And he's like, I'm gonna kill you. And then finally... The goblin is killed, and then he heals the goblin. But he makes, like, no comment of it. He doesn't refer to it. He always heals and walks away. You know, he's a cool guy, doesn't look at the good things he does kind of dude. But that's where his character, (laughs) that's after he heals Rin. It's after that arc. So it does go back to people get to be redeemed when they love somebody. It's kind of one of those, like, choosing a good, compassionate act, healing somebody who is innocent, and healing even somebody who's been with you through thick and thin like the goblin character, that was the turning point for Sashomaru. And I think what led the way to Sashomaru working with Inuyasha against Naraku at the end. So I think he kind of comes yeah, into the... Yeah, because it... Yeah. He gets something to protect. He has his, his own things to protect and the and the kind of the chaos and the mayhem that Naratu kind of sows as being sort of the penultimate bad guy like his his anarchy his black anarchy goal is is sort of like messing with shishomaru's ability to just be a good guy who doesn't observe being a good guy like i don't see it if i don't look at it it's not there but then he has to keep making these <laughs> things where he saves these people so he's like fuck it i'll just kill that real bad guy so that i don't have to keep saving these people and realizing that i'm not all bad <laughs> <laughs> you know right. like and maintaining yeah. my like self-image of being a badass and i and, and i think i remember a little bit that part of what it seemed to me growing up that seshomaru hated about inuyasha was that he did have a mom who loved him in mm-hmm. a way that seshomaru did not have because his mother was a demon you know and yeah and like uh, presumably his demon daddy didn't have that turnaround until he felt that emotion for a human woman you know, which is funny, too, because it doesn't require a human woman, as you can tell by Shippo's family, you know, like, because Shippo mm-hmm. loved his daddy, you know, like, it doesn't require that. I think it's just an interesting narrative choice that it's emotions of love, you know, either romantic or familial, that kind of distinguishes, which is sort of a child's narrative, but also is like, I, I don't know what else. I don't, I don't have a better way to explain the world, you know, probably because that's the yeah. narrative that I grew up on it's as a, a child. It's a clear but... line in the sand. Yeah. 
but it, it's a, it's a clear moral yeah, choice. It's of, something to know, stand on. Yeah. But with Naraku, there's a scene where he's just straight up like he's interested in Kikio. Like he's presented at one point when he was still human as a potential competitor uh, for Kikio's affections against Inuyasha. And yet he follows that up by talking with Kikio's little sister, Kaede. He says something to her about like, I pretty much just want to break Kikio. Like, I'm so fascinated by her goodness that I want to see it dark. Mm-hmm. He allows himself to be consumed by demons and become this horrible, powerful demon. But his perspective is like, I see goodness. I'm going to destroy it. And he continues with that motivation yeah. the entirety of his life, doing what I think is the most complicated way to betray people, considering his end goal was supposedly to get this all-powerful magical item to make him all-powerful instead of just betraying kikio and running away with it he then sets it up to then also betray inuyasha and then loses the gym i don't know it was really convoluted but it probably feeds to his fascination with really really destroying kikio and everything that she thought was good in the world so yeah that's the difference between the two of like sashomaru saw goodness and kindness somebody displayed that to him and he changed his path. Whereas Naraku is like, I saw goodness and kindness and I'm going to break it. <laughs> like, <ooh>, Okay. <laughs> Not a good person. Not redeemable. I do kind of want to say that we're cheating a little bit. We're cheating because we're talking about this artist's work more as an author than we are as an artist because of the way that we both feel about manga. I think. And I think it's, I think it's, well, it's these episodes are supposed because, to like, we're, capture we're artists or authors. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. But I, I feel like we struggle so hard with talking about artists. And then like, like as soon as we have some sort of narrative byline to fucking pick up on, we're like, yes, this is my house. Like, welcome to my house, bitch. Like, we're going to talk about literature again, because that's what we like. Okay. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Well, here's my opinion on the art. Kikyo and Kagome are supposed to look exactly the same, yet she creates the character designs distinct enough, now albeit they have 500 years of fashion between the two of them, that you can tell them apart. And that's good art. It's true. It's great. That's my opinion on the art. There you go. It is good art. I think that the good manga artists are so good that they they sell you on it. They sell you on the setting, you know? And it and they're internally distinctive characters the past the shadow test and all of that like it i mean like yeah it was it was so good that you could get swept up in it and watch like a movie instead of like having to overanalyze everything because you don't understand what's going on the panel or something you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i Mm -hmm. yeah she's just really good she's good at what she does erin you have to be good at both and she has a really distinct style too yes and i thought i would hate that i thought i could not get over that because of how different it is between the anime and the manga nope it took me like two pages and I was like sold because the face shapes are different yeah. slightly kind of makes mm-hmm. me wish that they would have kind of carried that Kept over. But I think yeah. that was just sort of, that was sort of the way of the time, right? Like that was the face shape that they made things. They did that with Sailor Moon yeah. too. Sailor Moon, the face shapes in Sailor Moon were different than what they did in the nineties anime. But if you look between the two, they were just the American, like, you know, the more animated face shapes like that's just the size of the faces and maybe they were all using the same 3d models or something they might have been a rectangle with a triangle on the bottom yeah (laughs) basically (laughs) but 
she did also create, I think, really distinct characters, even if it was just makeup design. And I really like the fact that most of her characters were women, so she has yeah. a pretty good balance. And, uh, yeah, and the women sold as a shonen. Yeah. So, like... It was a young boys comic. Yeah, with primarily female cast and, like, motivations. I think it's really interesting, and, and I think that her... Her innate horniness really helped her in that in, in that regard, I think. Cause, yes. Because like that, I, I when I was reading it, I was like, "This is definitely a shonen, but it could be a it could be a shojo. Like it really could, like a more modern shojo. It totally could. But like, it's a shonen." So what I'm what I'm hearing is that American publishers, in order to get more female characters, is they should do like more lady-led horny writing of their female casts is that what i'm thinking would that get dudes to buy female teams if it was like a lady horny rather than the it, dude horny it would get me to buy more <laughs> female teams well, probably me too i don't know like... why... oh my gosh boy do i have a horny comic for you then oh no i hope children don't <laughs> listen to this episode it's fine okay I'm content. Me too. Are you gonna give and me that? This was that, a really fun. Episode are you gonna give me that about. recommendation? I agree. I really Girl, not on it. recording. Oh, okay, fine. I'll you off the- <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I really did. I, I, I always, I'm always a little bit like not reticent, but like a little bit leery of coming into the artist spotlights because I'm so bad at talking about art. So it's really fun and refreshing to to actually have a personal connection prior to getting on the horn with you about this this particular artist so yeah who also is a writer that's all for me yeah that's all for me too hey if you like what we do here check us out on twitter and on facebook and on all of the things if you would like to see all of the things aaron's really good at putting out link trees so once you find the link tree you will find all of the access you could ever want to all of the different pathways that we have chosen to provide you including but not limited to youtube and our actual main hosting site also hey if you like what we do maybe consider buying us a comic book on our ko-fi page tip jar tip jar it helps us uh you know like provide for the hosting and you know feeds into our bad podcasting habit currently we are working on buying cheap diy sound equipment so we can soundproof our spaces and if you would like to assist that in any kind for out of just the goodness of your heart that ko-fi tip jar is the best way to do it are we gonna disagree on how to pronounce kofi <laughs> It's like manga versus manga. We're just getting the full range. We're full just range. doing it all just so no one can yell at us. Or everyone can yell at us. But hey, if you want to yell at us specifically and you have things to say, exclamation point capitalization, we also have a contact page. So you should totally hit us up. But we also have regular comics analysis. And um, every once in a while we have fun things that we just want to talk about. So... Yeah, we release on Mondays, usually in the morning, but sometimes in the afternoons because life happens, but it's always on Monday. So hit us up. Thanks for joining us and listening to us chat about Rumiko Takahashi, the one, the only, the great aunt of manga or the grandma of manga. Great aunt. I like that. Yeah. We hope you join us next time. Bye. I'm a fast manga reader. I am not a fast comics reader. It's weird, but I I don't know why. Maybe I'm just better at the visual cues that manga has.
basically you know, installed. I don't know. Like I have a lot of theories about why. Color? Yeah, actually, I'm glad you said co- color. I have a lot of theories about why people read manga more than comics, and I totally think like price point is one, but the lack of color is another. Which they totally do no color because they expect mangaka to whip shit out in like a week yeah no yeah and then ah uh, my favorite anime i have okay i have a couple of favorite but I, some of my favorite slice of life anime there i'll be more specific i have to be specific because that my favorite anime no that's a lie my favorite slice <laughs> of life anime um is monthly girls how dota zokin san or something but it's about this high school boy who's a mangaka and like there's a girl in his class that's in love with him and like these people just keep like are like enamored with him and then like he they meet him and they figure out that he's just a nerd that has no life experience and all he does is do uh shoujo manga like he draws shoujo manga so it's like he collects this little harem of people who do the grunt work for him on his manga like cutting out the like one of them draws the backgrounds for him and one and and some of them cut out the shading like stencils because they have like sheets that they use to fill in right the shading yeah it's like stickered up and shit it's a really like and and i learned a lot about how manga was actually created by watching that anime that stupid little like animation (laughs) and i was like my god the tactileness of it just really made me happy you know like the idea that it's glued and it's like layered and it's just I don't know. I really like that about it. And I kind of want to get my hands on, like, somebody's drafts. What does it look like? I want to know. God, that'd probably be so feel much the money. Yeah, no, not to, not to actually have... I don't like just spending money on shit like that. That gives me five minutes of enjoyment, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not... I'm not a collector. I'm I'm a reader. I'm not a collector. So, but yeah, that's a Same. that's one of the things I would like to see IRL. You know, like just the mm. sticky hard because you'd have to you'd think it have to be like one of those like art project notebooks or something that you do in grade school. You know what I mean? Like just a lot of construction paper and glue and things are kind of peeling up on the edges. But obviously, a yeah. higher quality because like. They put it into print. <laughs> like a well, print. yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's because of scanning. And I mean, like, yeah, the art is I mean, better. Yeah, but the the they probably the, just have better the limits of the. Well, I don't know about that. Monica okay, is like struggling, real yo. art supplies. Like, yeah, but like real art supplies, mangaka is a huge manga is a huge market, <laughs> like in Japan, and yeah, it's actually the, a pretty the, good chunk in the uh, in the world. Like, no, yeah, they just don't get paid for their shit, right? Like, in terms of artists, they're one of the most stolen art mediums, aren't they? Like, because of streaming services and the way they're paid. Oh, probably. But, like, I was just gonna say they probably have the art supplies. I'm I'm just saying, they're not gonna rose art that shit. Like, yeah. They're not gonna Elmer's glue, well, no, dollar not. glue stick that. <laughs> shit i would i'd dollar glue sh- that shit and i'd be like it's it's a choice this it's is this art. is my expressionism <laughs> it's art, art. God dang it. 